to It's Alive. Back after uh, a bit of a break, we did our first season last year with myself and Matt Green. Uh, Matt's not joining us uh, at the present. He will be hopefully back as a guest um, presenter on further uh, future, future episodes. But I'm back, Stuart Tonks, and I'm here uh, with a new guest presenter, Robert Schall. Hi, Rob. Hello. And so we're going to be talking, first of all, a bit of movie news. We're recording this uh, just a couple of hours after the Oscar nominations for 2014 have come out. So um, there's a few films that I know we've been talking about that we haven't seen, but uh, if we just go briefly through a few of the um, the nominations, I don't know if there's anything that jumps out at you with the Best Picture nominations this year? I think, well, the thing, the, the big news uh, seems, I think it's 12 Years a Slave, isn't it? The, the um, Steve McQueen uh, film. I've not seen it yet. No. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, of his previous stuff. I thought I thought uh, Shame was fantastic, and um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Now, once again, being an It's Alive tradition, that it's um, I've not seen any of his films. So, but I have actually <laughs> seen a couple of films on the list this year, which uh, and I will be changing that shortly. I'm going to be seeing Twelve Years a Slave, hopefully the weekend, possibly The Wolf on Wall Street as well. Um, I have seen American Hustle, and I have seen Gravity. Um, I, both of them were two of the best films of the year, without a doubt, and I'm I'm glad that they've um, they've been nominated. I think American Hustle was was always going to be Gravity. I wasn't so sure because the, I think it was a bit of a love it or hate it film for a lot of people. I thought it was stunning. I was on the edge of my seat all the way through. The end, I was I I, I couldn't speak until the the ten titles had finished. Um, I thought it was fantastic, um, so I'm really pleased that that's up. And also, there's Sandra Bullock's got the nomination for um, Best Actress as well um, for Gravity, and she did do a fabulous role. Um, but she is up against Amy Adams, um, who I would like personally to win, but I think Judy Dench will win it for Philomena. Um, have any once again any of those that you've seen? No. Um... <laughs> it's embarrassing. I've not seen any of these, but uh, but I'm uh, you know I'm a big fan of Amy Adams. Uh, yeah. I think she's fantastic. I think she just brings so much to any pretty much any film she's in. First time she's been nominated for a leading role. She's been up yeah. I think four times before, but always supporting. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I think she did a, a fabulous uh, fabulous part in um, in that. I mean, a lot of people are saying Kate Blanchett for Woody Allen's. Um, Blue Jasmine, but uh, I tend to get Woody Allen films. They, they don't get a, such a massive release at the cinema, so I usually pick them up on DVD or Blu-ray afterwards or Netflix or, yeah. you know. Um, best actor, Christian Bale, Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern would be nice to see after all, yeah. all this time, yeah. getting, getting something, getting uh, getting recognised. Heard good things about Nebraska and his performance in that. Christian Bale, fantastic. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, I always... Never know how to pronounce his name, I'm afraid. Um, supposedly amazing in 12 Years a Slave, but didn't didn't get a nom for Mandela. That's a surprise. Yeah. That is a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, I thought maybe... Yeah, maybe, I don't know, when, when do the nominations have to go out? To... I, I believe Mandela was uh, would have been up for, you know, he would have been a, a candidate, but yeah. um, from what I've been reading, no, I, I, I don't know. It's always strange, and, and you know, with these nominations, some of these films, some of these films are just not going to get voted no, for. I mean, no. I, I'd be surprised if Her 
actually well yeah because that her which is up for best picture um has has done really well um a spike jones film um about a man who falls in love with a siri type uh app on his 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 phone yeah yeah an artificial intelligence operating system i've seen the trailer uh not sure how i feel about it not sure whether it's the sort of I don't know. I heard so many great things about it. The trailer did nothing for me. I know that you really... No, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And I've been reading lots about, about it recently on other things on the Future of the Blog. I blogged about some of the tech side of it and the, and what the production designs were aiming for. It just seems like a real, such a such an intelligently thought and subtly thought through vision of the... They call it slight future, is mm. how they're referring to it. And, and, and they're imagining this kind of world in which... We've made a choice. The technology is there, but it's receded into the background. So you mm. you can see you see um, you, you see him at the desk in front of a computer. Yeah. But you, that's about the only time you see him kind of act- actively kind of looking at screens. You know, everything else is done through kind of earpieces and and so yeah. on. Which obviously make, works for the narrative. It means you can you can people people using computer interfaces has always been one of the most deathly things to ever ha- have to watch in a movie you know you absolutely they, they either end up uh, end up creating an interface that shows what is happening in such a stupid way or they end up talking over what they do but there's a very nice narrative device. thoughts on spike jones hasn't got a directing nom for it um I, I'd be which has been been across yeah. the board with you know uh, the the baftas as well i believe and uh, the same, uh, you know. There's a lot of it's best picture, but not yeah, directed. I'd be surprised if if her get actually gets any anything really. I think it's a too. It's probably too subtle mm. for for the Oscars. I've heard similar sort of things said about Wolf of Wall Street that it's one of the things it may do well in the international market but American audiences may not get its uh, the subtle humour um, and um, uh, the uh, uh, sort of uh, parody almost not not parody, satire the satire yeah. sorry that's the word I was yeah. after thanks the satire of it they, they didn't get it with other films such as Fargo in the past and whether they will in Wolf of Wall Street I don't know um once again, heard great films. Never really not like a, a Scorsese movie other than Gangs of New York, which <laughs> I... Oh, no, I didn't want to go and tell the story. Uh, it, was, it was awful. Right, so um, we've talked about Best Actor and Actress. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Um, Michael Fassbender, 12 Years a Slave. I think yeah. he might well do it, but I think Jared Leto, Leto will get it for Dallas Buyers, uh, Buyers Club. Um, at, at cross-dressing and sort of strange characters do tend to get the Oscar. Supporting the, role. Yeah, yeah, the Academy do tend to like that sort of thing. Um, obviously, got Jonah Hill as well, Bradley Cooper, American Hustle. It was very, very good, but I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't certainly wasn't the best thing about the film. Um, supporting actress, uh, this is Jennifer Lawrence. Forget the others. <laughs> if, she, if, she, if Jennifer Lawrence doesn't get it for American Hustle, well, she's, str- she's got to get it for something, hasn't she? Yes, I mean, she's yeah. got to be up for something this year. Yeah, she got the Best Actress last year for Silver yeah. Linings. Same director. The director just seems to get the best performances out of her. Although I do think she's fantastic, even in mainstream Hunger Games I films. She, I think she's. I, I wouldn't just say even. I think she. I no. think it's a, uh, I, I see that's a film I, I think yeah, criminally overlooked. Yeah. Yeah, one, yep. one of my favourite films uh, that I saw at the cinema last year. Yeah, probably one of my favourite films as well uh, at the cinema. Yeah, without a doubt. 
um, animated feature film. Well, Big... There's the, the other movie. Shock. That I, yeah, the other yeah. movie that I thought was one of the best last year, Overlooked. Yeah, Monsters U. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I it, out of the, the, the ones that we've got left, um, strangely enough, I think I'd pick The Croods because I, I laughed... I laughed so hard at that film. I thought it was great. Um, I, I really loved it. But um, Despicable Me 2 was good, but I didn't like it as much as the first. Frozen. Yeah, I like Frozen. You like Frozen. Yeah. yeah. I like Bit Frozen. singy. Yeah, it was strange, strangely singy. I think you try to aim for that kind of classic Disney singy thing and didn't quite make it. Mm. Um, but I thought it looked, I mean, certainly looked beautiful. And I think, I think in terms of the character animation and the, the kind of particle snow stuff. Yeah. I, I think I thought it was masterful. And I like the fact that it wasn't it wasn't didn't go down the obvious routes of uh, you know, is the 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 guy is going to be the thing that saves the girl mm. and, and and so on. I thought it was a nice it was two, you know, I know they're animated but two nice lead female roles. Right. Um and I thought Wind Rises. Not seen it. No. Um, but obviously you know it's it's got to be Considered, it's, it's, it's probably going to be Miyazaki's last yeah. movie. This is what I'm wondering whether yeah. he'll get the nod uh, with the Oscar just because they know this is possibly his last I think, film. I think it's a. I think he would deserve. If he if he gets it, and again, I haven't seen it, but mm. I think he he would be it would be uh, implied that he's getting it for for what he's done, what he's and contributed to animation over the last two decades. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, previous listeners uh, to It's Live may know that I've never been a fan of the animation style. I know people are going to lynch me in the streets. <laughs> Friends look at me like I've gone crazy when I mention it. But, yeah, there you go. That's that's just me. Um, but he has, as you say, given so much to the field of animation in 20 years, so you can't really, can't really say any more. Cinematography, which is just obviously we're going into slightly more the technical Gravity side now. Yeah, gravity's going to get it. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> um, it it it's film shot in a way that has never been shot before. Yeah. So I can't help thinking it'll be considered a no. I have not seen a novelty. No, seen it, no, I understand, and I probably agree. In future years, yeah. it will be looked back. You know, like yeah. Avatar or something yeah. like that. Um, God, it was better than that. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to argue that. One, right? uh, and and I think we'll just go on the last one. We'll talk about the best directing uh, norm, which we did briefly touch on, but uh, uh, David. Russell, American Hustle, Alfonso Cuaron, Gravity, mm. Alexander Payne from Nebraska, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, Slave yep, sorry, and Martin Scorsese for yes. Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, people, you know, there are enough people saying Wolf of Wall Street is Scorsese's best for some mm. time. Yeah. You know, people have said, I've heard best since Goodfellas, um, even okay. Pitch. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I think that, that overlooks a lot of really good films mm. to say that. But, but, you know, he might get it for that if it's seen as a return to some kind of form although he never really yeah. went away no Steve McQueen could could get it that'd be a brave choice um, yeah and a kind of recognition that he's arrived yeah a- after having made enough important films enough serious films uh, you know I, I'd, I'd be surprised if um, if Quaron uh, get, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I, I, I thought the direction was great. I've seen. I think he's done better before. I think his Harry Potter was yeah. was better directed, to be honest. But working with so few actors, that maybe you know, it, it not not the, the you know maybe you know give it as you, we say cinematography, but maybe not directing. I personally would like to see um, David O. Russell get it. Because I thought it, I'd loved his last uh, three movies: The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, and now American Hustle. Um, 
although probably this one the least of the three um silver lines play was definitely my film of last year um even though it was sort of 2012 but you know mm. um i saw it very early last year i think i honestly think steve mcqueen will get it mm. i really do i it, i think he'll get i think best picture and best directing will go but i don't know we'll see it would be a brave choice. It would be. Maybe maybe they'll do that. Okay, so um, that's pretty much uh, with the Oscars covered. I just quickly want to touch on the, the sad passing today of um, Roger Lloyd Pack, who in in the UK we knew for only falls and horses, obviously, <laughs> but with many cinema roles over the years, uh, including Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and the uh, recent um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Um, died at the age of 69 today from, we believe, pancreatic cancer that he'd been suffering from. Um, just want to say, how terribly sad. I met him a few years ago, very briefly. Um, very, very nice man, very uh, willing to talk about Only Fools and Horses, although he probably was sick to, sick mm. to death about talking about it. I think I read a quote today saying it was a, the role was a blessing and a curse for him. But... Um, uh, a, a wonderful actor who's very versatile and uh, and it'll be very sadly missed. Okay, so uh, we're going to keep this uh, episode of It's Alive quite short this time as it's the first time back um, in quite a while. Um, we are actually in New Digs as well, which I'd just like to mention. We've uh, moved six or seven miles up the road from the Black Country and we're in the centre of Birmingham now, uh, based at Lucky Devil Media Studios. Uh, so we've got we've actually got nice, nice plush surroundings and we're in a pro- <laughs> proper recording studio rather than... Uh, my living room. It's all it's red. A, it's very red. It looks like, a, looks like a scene from a David Lynch movie. It is very Twin Peaks, isn't it? Yes. 25 years this year, yeah, so... Well, there's a topic. Yeah, well, maybe. If we hear some news in the next week or two, we might uh, we might be covering I that. Think a, I think a Twin Peaks special. <clears throat> Twin Peaks special? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm for that, yeah. yeah. We could do some TV. Absolutely. Well, Fire Walk With Me, the film. We could do Fire Walk With Me. Not not a big fan myself. I love the TV series, but not the film, but, you know... We'd maybe do David Lynch. Bit on David Lynch? No, definitely. But yeah, so we'd like to say thanks to Lucky Devil Media for putting us up and uh, and letting us record in their studio. So uh, for the next part we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, remakes. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going, no, we're going to... And we're not going to be here for once. We're not actually... I, I want to do a bit of a different take on remakes because... We've got a few coming up this year with things like the new RoboCop remakes out in a few weeks' time, which just looks dreadful. And we all sort of hear about remakes and we all groan inwardly. But I think, you know, it is... They can be much maligned and there are some really, really good films that are remakes out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about this before, haven't we? We meant that... um, in, in a sense, it's, I, I see. I think it's, it's this generational thing. I think the film you, the, the, the film you grow up with, the film that that is there as you kind of come into kind of understanding of cinema or appreciation mm-hmm. of it or whatever it means in your life is is what you think of as as the original. And and often you dig a little and you realise that they've that the story has been used in another form. And often, increasingly, as as the decades of cinema go by mm. that form is going to have been television or cinema itself um, rather than theater or literature yeah it's just it's just natural I mean it, it's not that it's not that there are a limited number of stories that there, there are a limited number of store of, of kind of story models mm. but the 
good stories do get retold in lots in lots lots of ways. Well, you, you touched there. Uh, you say you know we, the stories that we grew up with and the way that the time that film comes out is the one that's you know sticks with us. I mean. The, the, the sort of teenagers and sort of early twenties who are around today who may have grown up with the uh, Tim Burton, uh, Willy Wonka, oh, yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie Factory. The Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Whereas obviously we grew up with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with uh, uh, Gene Wilder, a magnificent performance. Whereas I, I tried once again the other day to watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I find I find bits of it wonderful. I thought the start up until they actually until Johnny Depp suddenly appeared was fabulous, but I think he's portrayal in that film. But I don't want to talk about bad ones. So, in but it's not all bad. I mean, in that, well, that one, it's not all no. bad. In fact, what what surprised me is I with that, and and I didn't I didn't like mm. the performance, or the way or the interpretation mm. of the of the Willy Wonka character in in that film. But what surprised me was. I the first heard the songs and thought that and thought I don't I'm not sure I like these versions of the songs mm. because I was so familiar yeah. with the original f- film version. And then I reread to my daughter mm. the book, yeah. the Roald Dahl book, and was absolutely blown away by how uh, close the songs are to the ones yes, in the book. Yeah. They're almost Word for word, mm. line for line, the songs that the Umpa Lumpas sing, yeah. and that that wasn't true of the first film. No, yeah. no, no. So no. sometimes it's worth re- these, these films get the chance to revisit the original the, material, the source and, material. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, what I was, the, the thing I was going to say was the, the the one big film which was a remake for me when I was growing up, and I'm uh, sort of thirteen or fourteen years old, was the thing, the John Carpenter's the yeah. thing, yeah, which was obviously a remake of the nineteen fifties. Uh, Howard Hawks film Um, and you know I mean I find it sort of difficult to watch the Howard Hawks version although it is fantastic for you know for a 50s B movie you know the the thing a lot of people wouldn't even realise that was a remake and now we've had I think some fantastic remakes in the last few years which may as you'd say be going back to the source material um, a little bit more than maybe just doing a remake. I mean, one that I loved a couple of years back was uh, Dread, mm. which was, as we could say, was a remake of the Sylvester Stallone travesty, <laughs> um, or we could say was just another film which was from um, the, the source material, the 2000 AD. Yeah. Now, it didn't do very well at the cinema. Now, there's arguments to say that was because it was advertised very much as being in 3D. Now, I thought it was one of the better, th- best 3D films that I've seen at the cinema. It worked so well. A lot of people could say, and I'm in this camp, that I think it failed because people had the Stallone movie in their mind and their only, as a mainstream audience, exposure to the character was through that. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's probably true of a whole bunch of people. I think the... But I'd say the majority of people just had no exposure mm. to the character, which yeah. might might even be worse yeah. in lots of ways. That you, you know, you, when you when you're pitching something, there's so much around a, a character and, mm. it, and absolutely central to the to the whole story. If you unless you've got a way in, it's hard it's hard to sell people on that, yeah. isn't it? There was no na- uh, no name Hollywood actor, although mm. obviously a very very talented actor. Um, to, to buy in in the way that there would have been with the Stallone yeah. version. So if you, I guess, when was the Stallone version? Eight. Uh, no, no, 19? later than that. Uh, early 90s, okay. about ni- 1992 so or something like that. A lot of people <coughs> coming going to the Stallone film would, wouldn't, equally wouldn't have been familiar with the comic book 
material. No, not but at all. They, but the way in for them was this is a Stallone movie. Mm. Um, you know, what do you say about how, how do you do that to a, with a new film, with a new version? This is a Carl Urban, Carl Urban movie. <laughs> movie. It's, I, it's, I, not, it's not really a way in for most people. I, I think it's a tragedy that it hasn't become a franchise. I really do. There's so many brilliant stories that could have been told. Uh, one character that certainly not doesn't suffer from underexposure is um, for, that's been remade many, many times is Dracula. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From the early days of the uh, Nosferatu, which has been remade which, itself, <laughs> yeah, stunningly, stunningly. Right. One, yeah. as we were saying earlier, one of our favourite remakes with the the Werner Herzog, with Klaus Kinski starring, seventy yeah. seven, I believe it is something like yeah, that. Something yeah, like um, but obviously Dracula's been remade ever since uh, Bela Lugosi. Then we we look through to all the the sequels, the, the which Todd, the Todd Browning Lugosi yeah. version. And then obviously the, the, the ever decreasingly or increasingly stupid sequels that we had as the, the characters got less scary up until then of course Hammer emerged uh, in the late 50s and they, they, they brought out uh, the Christopher Lee versions, and that Terrence is a, Fisher again, films. That, that really reinventing it for, for a time, yep. isn't it? To totally uh, upping the game um, with, in terms of gore, what you can show, the sexuality yep. that you can portray through this character on screen and, and really taking that material and making it their own. I, I grew up, as you mm. did, with... Um, you know, with, with reissues, if you like, reissues yeah. and re-screenings of uh, of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, and and they they were so vivid. I mean, everything from the you know the gore, vi- visually vivid, through through just just to the imagination in them. I think really, uh, and they they stayed with me. You know, they're a the young cinema kind of. Fan. I think the beauty of them as well. I thought I always thought the sets were fantastic. The clothing was wonderful. The colours of the yeah, film was yeah. fantastic. I remember seeing Scars of Dracula as a very very young child and being on super petrified eight. on Super Eight. Yes, it was. Yes, um, so it's on Super Eight uh, home movie and being absolutely petrified to the point we had to turn yeah. it off. Um, then obviously a few years uh, in the seventies we had Frank Langella. Yeah. The version of Dracula, and then which for, again for me was was not. I didn't think that was any. I didn't rate it. No, because again I'd we, grown up with Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was my Dracula. And then uh, in the nineties, of course, we had Gary Oldman uh, in Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's version, which one of the closest to the books, I think. And but in my eyes, a tried to romanticise it far too much and romanticise the character far too much and B, the stunt casting which was prevalent in the 90s of people like Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker and Winona Ryder and uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins who was fabulous um, as Van Helsing but it was very much stunt casting that I think brought that film down Mm. Uh, which is a shame because parts of it were... It feels overwrought I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Parts were awesome, but they just and not, um, and not as successful. Well, not for me as a film as the as Frankenstein, the re- remake. And the of Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh I, I, remake of Frankenstein. I think it's an underrated gem. Yeah. I watched it recently on um, on my home projector. Um, every shot is beautiful. Um, Kenneth Branagh's performance is. Strange in places, especially when he's playing a lot younger than he actually was. But uh, I, th- I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I, I do like Frankenstein. I mean, very I mean much. those gothic novels that then became um, universal horror franchises in the 
30s uh, and then became all of them reinvented uh, most of them reinvented again through hammer and amicus um you know in the 60s mm. 50s 60s 70s it, it it seems to be that that there's a whole kind of it's an, like a body of work that can be picked up and rethought for a generation yeah. re and, and you know it's, Christopher Lee's there in in Frankenstein as well as as well as in uh, Dracula as is yeah. Peter Cushing, you know. And now we're getting the uh, the sort of what well, we have done in the last few years. We're getting the the new the new kids <laughs> on the block of horror are being reinvented. So your Jasons and your Freddy Kruegers, which were sort of uh, through my sort of teenage years in the eighties, yeah. um, and now they're being reinvented to monstrous atrocities, <laughs> if you ask me. The re the remake reboot of Friday the Thirteenth a few years ago was dreadful. The uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think could have really succeeded, and uh, with especially with the modern day special effects, could have been fantastic and surreal, and had a great guy playing the part as well, uh, Joel Haley, uh, uh, Earl Haley, who yeah, was in Joel, Watchmen. Yeah, Joel. yeah. Uh, Joel Haley Earl, I think <laughs> one one of those. Um, I, I think he actually did the part really good, and he made him evil again. But the film was just dreadful. Um, and now next year, this time next year, we'll be looking forward to another Friday the Thirteenth reboot, which the producer has said may not even have Jason in. So I'm not quite sure where they're going with that one. Obviously, the first film didn't have him in, apart from a few little sequences, but. Uh, now that they, they do seem to be this horror thing that the remake that they can make these remakes out of horrors, but there have been some mainstream films as well that have done well. Um, True Grit, yeah. uh, which was Oscar winning a few years ago with yeah, the uh, Jeff Bridges. Okay, uh, no, I like that. I thought I thought they really again went back to the source material. Mm-hmm. They went back to the novel and um, and to the perform central performance and and really tried to capture. How the um, how the language works, how people talked, and mm. I think and I think it really came to life in in the Cohen's hands. I think they were a hit and miss for me, Cohen, the Cohen. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I think that was a that was definitely a one that worked. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I thought Jeff Bridges' performance, uh, his as you say, the way he spoke was a bit odd in places, but um, but it, I, I thought it was great, and I thought the the the, the uh, actress who played the the girl was brilliant. Um, Josh Brolin as well, yeah. superb. Uh, who has obviously as well just been in another remake, uh, Spike Lee's Old Boy. Yeah, of course. Now yeah, that, about that has really tanked. Yeah. Now whether this because of Spike Lee's antics, uh, sort of uh, around the pr- promoting of the film and apparently using allegedly using posters that have been designed by somebody else and has not paid for them and there's been a lot of internet sort of speculation and letters backwards and forwards um, that it seemed that the that the the distributor sort of released it on so few cinemas in the states that it's just almost buried itself it's an odd story though mm. i mean I, I think of the you know going back to the originals yeah. there of, of those <laughs> of the three films that make up that kind of supposed trilogy the mm. Ven- vengeance trilogy i think it's the weakest mm. i think it's the most convoluted of stories 
and and the hardest to sell. Mm. I think if you tell people that story, it, it it's it's got a little bit of intrigue to it, but it plays out very oddly, I think, on screen. I don't know. It's never never quite worked for me. Whereas whereas the other two movies in that thing, I think work beautifully. If Matt Green was here, I'd like to hear his take because I know what a fan he is of uh, the director and yeah. those original films. So you know, maybe maybe when Matt, if uh, if he gets a chance and he can come in and uh, we'll do some recording, it'd be, we'll 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 talk again about. Uh, uh, Spike Lee's old old boy. Um, a, another film that uh, was a, 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 a remake and translated, if you like, um, was um, uh, Let Me In with Chloe Moretz. Um, and um, it was a remake of uh, Let the Right One In, obviously. But I felt that went back to the source material in the book as well and, also, and worked the better for it. It's an odd one, I thought, because it's come so close, mm. to, you know, in time... time version to the original so yeah. so close after that that it feels just like the only reason to do this is because the US audience the US market at least finds it hard to accept subtitle films and I thought the the original is, is absolutely stunning oh, it is, a yeah. be- beautiful beautiful film I, I don't think let me let me in is without merit no not I think at all. As, as a film taken on its own on its own merits it's a well-made film with great performances. In some ways, more charming performances. I think from the leads. Mm. Um, I, I like the the young uh, boy uh, mm. more the, as an as an actor. I think I think he does a, a better thing with that part. I, I you know I think there's a lot there's a lot to like about it. But it's it's an odd one mm. because it is so so close yeah. to the original. In time frame, in time, you mean, yeah, and, absolutely, and in style, yeah, style and feel. You know, they, they, it seems like they made it <coughs> in order to to capture the same kind of sense of uh, of uh, isolation, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the same sense of the original movie, yeah, um, for an audience that wouldn't go and watch the original film. Well, Matt Reeves obviously directed Let Me In, and he's um, just about uh, he's well, he's just directed the about to be released uh, sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is a reboot of the series after the dismal Tim Burton reimagining as he coined the phrase when that film came out. Um, We'll brush over that version, but I thought that Rise of the Planet of the Apes was for 20th Century Fox, who seemed to drop the ball so often, was was a fabulous uh, take yeah. uh, to take it back the story further, further back, and to see how this uh, how it all came about. Um, which I very rarely like prequels. I think if you, if a story's been told from a certain point, that's because that's where the story starts. I liked this. I thought that, and I thought the performances um, and the CGI were were terrific. And I'm looking forward to saw the trailer for um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes the other day, um, and it looks a, a much different film to Rise, but but very exciting the way they've taken it, almost post-apocalyptic, with um, the apes sort of banded together out in the woods, and they're sort of gearing up with weapons. And I, I really it, we got a hint of that at the end, didn't yeah. we? Of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think I think Planet of the Apes is a is an interesting one because. A short, a short single book mm. uh, again, um, but we, but with such such a kind of resonance that people can just run with it for ages. I mean, it's it's a, it's just one of the perfect stories, really. Um, Burton 
tried to go back to some of some of the book yeah again you know and and in other things just reimagine it make it his own i think i don't think he's very successful with those kinds of things i i i've my serious misgivings about his handling of batman um you know at the, <laughs> at the time although i do like batman, batman returns, returns. It's wonderful. um but you know I, I, and obviously we've talked about Charlie and the Chocolate mm. Factory. Um, I, I'm not convinced he's the right person to give any kind of beloved franchise to because he's going to do his own thing with it. It's going to make um, it quirky, isn't yeah, it? And put well, Johnny Depp in it most of the time. But <laughs> but I think and I think as you said about a, a, a prequel, Planet of the Apes is interesting there because obviously the originals do go back. But they do it in a different, different order. order. So, That's right, so, yeah. we, so it plays out from the novel and then going back to what what happened and how it got there with with the kind of vehicle of time travel, mm. uh, you know, but in it, um, going going back to modern day, present day Earth. Um, so we do even in those five films, we get to see how apes came to dominate Earth mm. and to rise up. Over, over their human masters, so I, d- I think it's perfectly reasonable to do it the other way around in this. Yeah, to, to stress something else, and I, and I thought it made for a fantastic first film. It did that, that didn't didn't just uh, it defied kind of expectations like yeah. for me. I, I expected a very very different kind of film, and I uh, and I thought it was it was fantastic, mm. um, just cap- captivating really, and and all the little hints, just the really little playful, subtle hints of what where we were heading, the mm. little the newspaper headlines of the on the, the TV thing of a rocket, rocket going going away, going yes, away to yeah. Mars, well, it's a Mars mission or something, isn't mm. it? And then and then the not going missing, the astronauts yeah. going missing, and then obviously we get we've got the plague that's kind of the virus that's overtaking the planet, and we just know that from the end of that that what you know when yeah. when they come back <laughs> they're going to come back to a very, very different, different planet yeah. yeah and so I, I thought it was lovely and uh, i'm really looking forward to it and i hope i'm not yes. uh, i'm not over <laughs> you know, no. doing this kind well, of over anticipation uh, it does seem that um from everything that's coming out of uh hollywood and people who've seen rough cuts uh of dawn uh, uh, rating it higher even than rise and um uh, Matt Reeves has been signed up for the third sequel as well now, which they want to throw into production as soon as possible. Fox seem to be doing this with a few of their franchises, including the X-Men films. They're gearing up two, three films in a head now. Mm. So I hope it's a successful film because um, they certainly need it after the last uh, sort of 10, 15 years of films that they've been they've been doing. But now no, I'm look, very much looking forward to that. Okay, so uh, just going to wrap up now. I uh, hope you enjoyed the first show. Like I say, it's going to be a short and sweet one. Um, uh, just just to get us back into it and get you guys back into it, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, once, I'd like to thank uh, Futurilla uh, for hosting the show. Um, so Rob's been here today uh, as a guest presenter who's the creator of Futurilla. So I'd like to thank you, Rob, thank for you. that. My pleasure. Um, and we'll probably be back again, hopefully, with you next week. Yeah. Um, and we'll just once again thank Lucky Devil Media Studios for um, having us in their lovely studio. Their red room. Their red room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be here once again next week. Do follow us on Twitter at It's A Live Show. And you can also go on futurilla.com yeah. to uh, find out any information about future shows and other shows that they host. Anyway, hopefully see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.